in the name of Jesus. Perhaps you have a cross at home, maybe even a crucifix. Perhaps you have gazed even upon our crucifix here in the sanctuary and you've seen four letters written there on the top, I-N-R-I. These are the four letters in Latin of the following, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, Jesus, Nazareth, Rex, Hudayon. The title, we're told, was read by many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was near to the city, and it was written not just in Latin, but in Hebrew and Greek. So question for you tonight, are your eyes on Jesus? If so, he sure doesn't look like he knows what he's doing, does he? A king nailed to a tree? And what gall he must have. Hanging there on a tree, this so-called king, praying for forgiveness for everyone else? Everyone not nailed to a tree, not bleeding and dying? What kind of king does he think that he is? His kingdom consists now pretty much of just two subjects, one on his left and one on his right, one who has faith and one who does not. And they too, these two subjects, are nailed to trees. All the other subjects of this king have run away, said that they don't know this man. They are afraid, but not for him, as a good subject would be. Oh no, this king's subjects are afraid for themselves, looking out for their own good. Self-proclaimed naval gazers taking care of themselves and whatever they want. Those are the kind of subjects that this king has. And so, folks, if your eyes have been firmly fixed this Lenten season, your eyes on Jesus, this does not look like a kingdom that's going to go places. As a matter of fact, this looks like a dead-end kingdom, a dead-end king with dead-end subjects, a king that perhaps even does not know what he is doing, a soon-to-be-dead king. And maybe that's how you feel at home right now. Sheltering in place, sequestered in your houses, but appearances. Appearances, they can be deceiving, yes. And does not Scripture warn us us subjects of this king, that the great deceiver is at work? Revelation 12 verse 9 tells us, The great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Who else was there with eyes upon Jesus? The deceiver. The devil, Satan, was also there, watching intently as the Son of God hung upon the cross. That's right. The devil's eyes were on Jesus. And that same devil is here today, too, trying to convince you that Jesus has no real kingdom, that he is no real king, that he can't help you no matter what it is that you are dealing with, 
that this death of his upon the cross means diddly squat for you and your salvation. Because of this reality, because of sin, death, and the devil, the unholy trinity, your king comes. And he endures all the taunts, all the jeers, all the scorn, for he knows exactly what he is doing, even though it may look otherwise. Revelation 12 continues. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. But they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Did you catch that? The salvation, the power, the kingdom of God, and the authority of Christ have come for you. For here at the cross, all of this together in the two-natured Jesus Christ, the man-God who is at work conquering the devil who seeks to deceive you, conquering your own sinful nature. Jesus does just that. Conquers these things as a king, your own sinful nature that questions Jesus' kingdom and that often rejects his very work, the word incarnate who conquers. And how does he do this? This king who is nailed to a tree? Scripture is quite clear over and over again. There can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. He conquers by his blood, his perfect, pure, unadulterated blood. And not the blood of mere man or beast, but the pristine blood of one who is holy, the blood of a true heir to the throne, the blood of a true king. And you see his kingdom, his kingdom comes through his blood, through his blood shed for you. For the forgiveness of your sins. His word, that testimony, absolving you of your sins, even through the mouths of your pastor. His word, coupled there in the font with water, washing you clean and coupling you with a king who has the power over death. And don't forget his body and blood. His body and blood and simple bread and wine gifted to you now into your very mouth in the Holy Supper. Oh, how you need his kingdom. Oh, how you need this king to pray for you and bleed for you, to die for you, and also to rise for you. Because we know not what we do. We gamble. We cast lots. We look away to find other gods and other saviors. We take our eyes off Jesus and focus instead on the, the recent reports of infections and deaths, perhaps constantly checking our investments and our bank accounts. We worry, we fret, we fear with nary a thought for the one who promises to yet uplift and sustain us. But there he hangs.
the one true king. And there he prays that through his bleeding and dying, the shedding of his blood, that his father would have mercy on you and on me. And he does. He does this for you. The Apostle Paul writes quite simply to the Corinthians. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We know not what we do, but Christ did and does. And he bestows his righteousness, the very power and authority of his kingdom upon you. And he is with you. You who have been redeemed and justified, think this day, for his eyes are upon you. His eyes of deep love, of compassion and concern. And thus through Jesus Christ, your Savior, thus through him, your bleeding, your dying, and even your rising again is a promise of hope, promise of comfort, forgiveness, life, and salvation are yours. In the name of Jesus.